0: Chai FM, this is soul to soul on a Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, but not just a Friday afternoon, this is Isu Chag, Pesach, the day after Pesach, the day where we've ended our Chag, and we thought we were going to end our lockdown, but it seems HaKadosh has decided we need some more time by ourselves, we need some more time at at, at home, and He's granted us yet another two weeks of of privileged existence, where we can be at at home. And I hope everyone had the most amazing, amazing kind of Pesach. I am sure it was very, very different, different sort of guests at your seder than than you've had before. Maybe it was just you by yourself. Maybe it was just you and your spouse. Maybe it was just you and 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 uh, and the children. But I really do hope in Davin that you, that you that you took advantage of the opportunity of the situation that Hashem set us up in, and and Baruch Hashem you made it you made it count. You made it an opportunity to maybe you know research things and think about things and talk about things that you had never talked about at a, at, at, at a seder. And then instead of running around and thinking of things that you had to do and wanted, you were able to. Contemplate and, and, and spend a bit of time and think about where we're going and what life is, what life is all, is all, is all about. But it's, it certainly will be a Pesach that will never forget and will look back in, in years and, and, uh, and say, wow, that was different. That was, that was amazing. And may Tzeshem Hashem She give us many, many more Pesachs of the old kind, uh, you know, back with our family and, and, but, May may this Pesach be a lesson of 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 how perhaps we need to find more direction and more and more focus in our in our growth in in our in our learning in our in our way of 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 spending and a way of 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 our attitude towards the very concept of of, uh, of 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 chagim. Let's yeah, it's hard to get away from Pesach, but let's let's talk for a moment about how how we can remain a little bit optimistic. Even though, you know, we thought three weeks was going to be over and then we kind of psyched ourselves for it and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and now, okay, now it's going to be another two weeks. How do we keep ourselves focused? How do we keep ourselves positive during, during, during that time? So of course the answer is in Asfarim, in fact, uh, in, in the Haggadah, uh, we, we say the Yishamda, we say that this is what stood by our fathers and and by us, shalom. Right? There wasn't only one person who rose up against us and tried to destroy us. Rather, but in every generation, door, they try to destroy us. Hakadosh Baruch Hu matzilenu and Hashem saves us from from their from their their hands. And the Yitzchak he he asks, he quotes the Chasam Sefer. As asking, what is it meant by the word, miyodam. Hashem saves them from their hands. It's seemingly a little bit superfluous. Would have sufficed to say that Hashem saved us. What's this concept of 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 So he answers by saying that the Rabbani Shalom can save us in one of two distinct ways. Number one, he can send a, a salvation. He can send the Yeshua in the very beginning. Before we even realize that we are actually in in danger, and that often happens, we don't even know the dangers we've been saved from that could have happened that that never that never materialized. Hashem saved us before they even started, or Hashem can send the Yeshua after we recognize the danger, but it may be sent in a seemingly very natural way. Right, so it's not even obvious to all that we were actually saved through our Kaddish Baruch Hu's in interaction, and almost by by contrast, Hashem can save us if He wants through a miraculous occurrence, through which the greatness of our Baruch is clear to everybody. This type of of, of Yeshua of a salvation is is, is described by. David Melech in Tehillim uh, capital Zion says uh, 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 may, may evil be completed for the wicked. Meaning that the wicked shall complete their evil plans to destroy us. And only then may Hashem establish the righteous. In other words, by saving them, the, the plans are all there, it's all in place, it's all going to happen. And then our Kodesh Baruch Hu decides to save us in a miraculous way from this very, very clear danger. When Hashem saves us in such a way, so then, His greatness is, is publicized, there's is me. so then there's tremendous, wow, and then it's clearly evident to the whole world and everybody can see that Hashem performs wonders and miracles for 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 us that no other human being could possibly do. So that's what Hashem says. Hashem saves us me, Yadam, from their hands. Even once their hands are around us and their plans to destroy us seem imminent, Hashem saves us at the very last moment. This is what Sustains us through any situation, through all the generations, as all wicked men who see such wonders happen, they all recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatness and hopefully refrain from, from harming us. And that's such an important lesson for us to, to take into, to internalize, right? Although, we are often faced with so many difficulties, and and, and the situation we are now is is for many very very traumatic, very very difficult. We have some people have many you have relatives Nebuchadnezzar that are ill, and 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 parnosa as a problem, and, and being with the same people all the time sometimes can be very 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 difficult. And we see difficulties and 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 their challenges surrounding us, and it seems as if there's almost no hope, and and no way to kind of. Extricate ourselves from our situation. So we have to strengthen our, our emuna and believe completely with a full heart that Hashem can help us and save us at the very last moment. Hashem sometimes deliberately places us in such desperate situations in order to then reveal his greatness and strength to the whole to the whole world, right? We find this lesson in in, in Megillah Sester. If we go back to Purim for a moment, Esther Amalka, right? The, the Megillah, the Megillah, says in 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 the Medrash, so that when Esther was approaching to go to the to the uh, inner chamber of Ahasuerus, so she was accompanied by uh, uh, three of her handmaidens, one on her right. One on her left and one behind her. Once she came to the door of the king's room, and the king was, we say, as sitting on his throne facing the door, Esther looked at him and saw her eyes were blood red with anger at her for coming to him with not, not being invited. When Esther saw how angry the king was, her strength left her, and she became Limp with weakness. She put her head down on the servant at her side and fainted. Says the Medrash, her neshama almost left her body. Immediately Hashem had mercy on her and placed a chutcha cheser, a string of grace upon, upon her. You see from here an amazing, an amazing lesson of how one may never despair in any situation. Esther was in a situation with no seeming solution. The Medrash says that the the, uh, the executioners were already approaching her to kill her. In one moment, everything turned around and Ahasuerus was overcome by her grace and stretched out his, his uh, scepter to her. And this teaches us that Hakadosh Baruch Hu can save us even at the last possible moment, when no hope seems possible. That's what Chazal says in in in, in even when Khada, even when a sharp sword is upon one's throat, al Never, never despair from Hakadosh Baruch Hu's, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's uh 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 a uh, uh, mercy. The Gemara in, in, in Bruchus there, in fact relates that Yeshaya the, the, the Novi told Chiskiyo the king, in the name of HaKadosh Baruch, you're going to die in this world and you're not going to live in the world to come. He added, this decree has already been decreed and nothing you can do. Chiskiyo said, Ben Amatz, call him my father's name, you son of Amatz. Finish your prophecy and go. I have a tradition from the house of my fathers that even if the cherub of even if this sharp sword is set against a man's neck, don't stop davening and Rash explains who, who was the house of his fathers refers to his ancestor, Darah, who saw the angel of death with the swords. In in his hand, as it's so in, in 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 of of Shmuel Beis. Yet, he didn't stop praying for Hashem's mercy. Just to go back to that incident of of David the the sword wasn't actually outstretched against David's neck, but rather it was stretched over all of Yerushalayim, as 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 it says in in in, uh, in and David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of Hashem standing between the earth and the sky with a drawn sword in his hands extended over Yerushalayim. If so, how did learned learn from this that one may not even despair even when the sword is on his neck? So the the, the going says in uh, in uh in Elio, a little bit different then, then, then Rashi. That the father he was talking about was not David, but he was talking about his own Zayda, his own father, Yahshuafat. And about Yahshuafat, it says also in, in Diri and was, when, I'm just reading English, was when the officers of the chariot saw Yahshuafat, they said, that is the king of Israel. They turned upon him, to attack, and Yahshua cried out, and Hashem helped him, and Hashem enticed him away from him. And the, the, the Gemara, the, the Yushami it says, if a person who has a guard is captured by his enemies, before he can call out to his guard to save him, the sword will already have killed him. But Hashem saved Yahshua from the swords of Aram when the sword was already on his neck and all that was missing was the cutting of, of his head. That's what Khiskyo learned from his from his aid. They, they tell a story that uh Shmuel Rizofsky, uh, was Nebuch was was sick with his his final illness and was in very, very dire straits. So someone mentioned him the words of Chazal, that one should not despair, even when the hair Chada, is on his throat. He replied, that this is not said, when the sword is already, cutting, the, the, the throat. When Ashlem Zaman Oyabach, heard this, he strongly, disagreed, and said that, even when the sword is already cutting, one's flesh, still, shouldn't despair. To prove this, he brought this story of of, of about which the Gemara in 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 nothing uh, in the Medrash says in Bereshis Rabba that he was the first person ever to become sick and to recover, meaning that before him no person had ever been on his deathbed and had been healed. This was literally the same. As as the sword actually already cutting the the flesh, and no one had ever recovered before from from uh, from an illness. No one had ever recovered such a situation yet. He didn't despair, and we're told he lived in another another uh, fifteen fifteen uh, 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 years. Now, what what what's this concept of of having a sword on your on your, uh, on your neck. So, in, in the story of, 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 uh, Yeshiva escape from, from Shanghai. So, there's, there's, an amazing explanation of, of these words of, uh, of, of Chazal. It's set over in the name of, of the Briskerov. He says, imagine if a person was sentenced to death for a serious crime. So, there's no doubt. That he and his family would use every means at their at their disposal, both in terms of, of money and in terms of political pressure and connections and, and 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 whatever, to try to turn the tide in his favor. If he would hire fancy, you know, high priced lawyers, and and that would be to no avail, and the verdict remained in effect, they certainly would be would be despondent would be desperate, however, even then they wouldn't give up and they would try to appeal to 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 a higher court they would hire different lawyers right to to bring uh, to make an appeal for mercy they would they would try to go to the 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 state's president or whoever it was to try to get uh to try to get some kind of a pardon and if you had to right, they, would, they would do anything yet they would still Have one source of hope, right? The hope that ultimately the king might might grant a a pardon, right? They would send uh, people and influential people to to lobby the king's administration on their behalf, and they would beg for mercy for the man's family, attempting to to whatever to you know somehow emotionally connect to the to the king, pull at his at his heartstrings, do something. Arouse, arouse his his compassion. They would attempt to, to find anyone right, with with influence, with a, with a, you know, some kind of kesher to the king to lobby on their behalf and and beg them to use whatever influence they they had. And if all that work turned out to be for nothing, and the verdict remained in force, everyone would be completely broken. Most people would give up. Hope completely, but the very close family members of the man would still retain some hope that some extraordinary event would happen at the last moment that would cause the death sentence to be to be over overturned. Even when the day of of execution arrives, the executioner enters the room carrying his his sword, whatever he takes it out of the the, the sheath. And, and checks its sharpness, and then places it on the man's neck, until that moment it was possible to have some hope, maybe a very, very small amount of hope, that a sudden salvation would arise. Once the very sharp sword is already upon his neck, and all that's needed is that little bit of, of pressure to kill him, no one would retain a bit of optimism at all. That there's any possibility. Of saving this unfortunate man. However. In this exact situation. Chazal tell us. Don't despair. Even when that sharp sword. Is on your neck. You should never give up hope. Of our Kaddish Baruch Hu's salvation. Even then. One should pray and cry out to Hashem. And have faith. That he's going, he's going to be, to be, to be saved. And the question is, how do we get there? How do we get to that level of 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 trust in Akkardesh Baruch Hu? How do we get to that level of of being able to maintain optimism no matter how difficult the situation is? How, yeah, one listens to the news and and hears all of the terrible things and, and the death statistics and the people. Now I see you with with vent layers. How are we supposed to remain? Uh, uh, optimistic against all kind of daunting odds that seem to be, to be in a situation that we'll, we'll never be able to overcome. It looks so gloomy and, 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 even when this, this plague is over, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, our, our, our Parnassa, in terms of work, how is business going to be able to, to open and, and how do we stop it from, from happening again? So many things to worry about. How are we supposed to remain op- optimistic? We'll deal with that in a few minutes. After the break, this is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul, on Friday afternoon on your radio, on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Moshe Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 9.5. and this is sold to soul on a Friday afternoon here in the area Jah- in Johannesburg in the area of Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Shmini, first Parsha right after the uh, Chag HaPesach Yom HaShemini, it was very, one of the most special days in the history of the Jewish nation, as Rashi says, there were ten first, 10 things that happened and never happened before on that day, on that eighth day of the Milum, the eighth day, of the day when the Mishkan finally went live, and it's a beautiful, beautiful parsha with some very, uh distressing events, talks about the death of the two sons of Aaron's, of Aaron Nadav and Aviu in the midst of the <coughs> celebrations, in the midst of the festivities of the beginning of the service in the temple. Aaron's two sons died. And the aftermath of that, and then the second part of the portion is all about all the laws of kosher and non-kosher birds and animals and various other laws of purity of animals, et, uh, et, et cetera. Quite a nice reading, and said so we have time this Shabbos to be able to go through it, go through the pesukim, translations, maybe the Rashi's, get a little bit of insight. We're not in a rush to go anywhere or to socialize anywhere. So let's take the time and make it, and make it something meaningful. As we always do at this time of the show, to let you know the important time details you need to know for this Shabbos. Candlelighting this afternoon is no later than 5.31 PM, 5.31. Uh, sunset is at, uh, 5.49, 11 minutes to 6. Uh, that is the latest time for lighting candles. Of course, you can do it much earlier. You can probably get your candles up. Oh, almost an hour before that. Let's say 25 to five is probably the earliest time you can light your Shabbos. Look, go for it. And, and yeah, let's add a, b- a bit of an extension to, to, to the Shabbos. Make it a bit longer, a little bit more holy. We have time to get ready. We don't have to leave everything for the last minute today. Although it's a really, really hectic. Ere Shabbos, because we only have that one day between the end of, of Pesach and, and Shabbos, and you have to put everything away and, and, uh, and get Shabbos organized, and I think there are some people that actually have decided to carry on eating matzah this Shabbos, uh, because the idea of procuring chalas today is, is, is a bit of a, a challenge, but whatever you do to make it a beautiful Shabbos, Shabbos Kurdish ends tomorrow evening at 20 minutes past 6, 6.20, uh, it is this week Shabbos Mavorchim, Shabbos Mavarchim for Chodesh Iyer, Rosh Chodesh Be'ez Hashem will be next week on Friday and Shabbos, yes, next week is Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, a very special day, so because it's Shabbos Mevorachim, whatever you normally do in shul, especially on Shabbos Mevorachim, if it's a extra special chalent or an extra special bottle of something, whatever it is that is, is the minig in Yoshul, do it at home. Make, make it a special, a special Shabbos and say the Rosh Chodesh benching, then daven We should have all Chaim of all the good things of, of, of health, of, 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 of nachas, of, upon us. So all the things that we daven for, for Rosh Chodesh, let's, let's put that into our, into our, uh, uh So Rosh Chodesh benching is said. The after is the normal after for Parshas for parshas uh, uh, Ashmini. Uh We won't say Tizkas at Binacha, but we will say Avorachimim in 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 the morning because it is the first Shabbos actually during the time of the of the Sfira. Even though, according to many, we haven't actually kept uh, started keeping the morning of the Sfira yet, but it definitely is that period. I hope you're keeping up to date in the in the counting so far, Uh kind of through the first uh, a week or so. Hopefully there are enough reminders or enough, uh, enough kind of ways of getting yourself to be ensured that you, that you count the aimer uh, every, uh, every day. Um we were discussing before the break this concept of a person uh, maintaining a high level of, of optimism, a high level of, of, uh, forward lookingness even in times of tremendous, tremendous difficulty and challenge as we're facing now, and I pose the question just for one we how, how does one do it? How can one reach this this really high level? How can one retain hope even in such in such kind of uh, a dire kind of uh, kind of circumstances? So there is the Sefer Orchas Chaim, written by the the Rosh himself, the great Rishon, the Rosh. He writes. As far as not, I'll just give the translation, he says, "to to have faith in the Rabbani Shlodim, with your entire heart, and to believe in his in his divine providence." It says, and with that, you will be able to to kind of perpetuate in your heart the perfect unification of Yichud to to believe in Hashem that his eyes are hovering above the entire land and his eyes are upon all the ways of a man which is a pasuk and he checks, he investigates the heart and searches even the thoughts and the advice given to us by our kidneys and one who doesn't believe that Hashem took us out of Egypt also does not believe in which is the basic tenet of of uh of, of, Jewish, of Jewish belief. And then what the Rosh is actually uh, showing us, is revealing to us, that there are like two different components in in the ideal of believing in Aqharish Baruch. Number one is belief in Akarish Baruch's existence. And belief in what we call Ashkoch in His Divine, in His Divine Providence. The belief in Hashem's existence is, the, is stated in the very, very first of the Aseris Debbers, of the Ten Statements. I am Hashem You have to believe that. And the seconds per start, the belief that Akadish Hu has Divine Providence, that, that is Ashkoch is stated in the very next words, say mi Eretz Beis who took you out of the land of Mitzayim. These two concepts are put together in the same posse, in the same commandment, because they both are needed to reach a true level of complete and perfect faith in Hashem. If one believes in one, but not the other, so he's not considered a maimon. He's not considered a true believer, and is lacking in the fundamental idea of faith in in in, in the rabbanim shlom. The rabbi levinstein zatzal a mashgichah lepanu in in his sefer or 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 in the in the volume on emuna, on page. One one twenty five. So he explains the, the the words of the rush to mean something very profound. To mean that emuna, belief in Hashem, doesn't merely include belief in things that are open, that are visible, that we know about. Rather, it includes belief that has to lie within. The heart and mind of every human being. If one doesn't believe in Ashkha protest, if one doesn't believe Akhishparku is involved in every detail of our lives and every detail of existence, and doesn't believe that the events of Yitzias Mitcham were organized and orchestrated and ordained by Baruch Hu, Lacks true belief in Hashem's existence and cannot be considered a true Maimon in, in, in Akanish And this is explained in the, uh, in the letters of, of, uh, of Rav Zundel, Misalant, to his, to his son, which is quoted in the Ari of Rabbi Shol Salanta, in letter number 24, in which he writes an incredible concept regarding emuna in Hashem's divine providence and, and guidance. He writes as follows, Constantly review sukkim verses about Bitochan and Hashem's salvation. And you shall then come to have real faith and the salvation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come in the blink of an eye. It's known that HaKadosh Baruch Hu guides every person in every second with, with divine providence. The fundamental concept of Emunah is that Hashem guides us constantly at all time. When a person directs his heart Towards Hashem. So, he's basically turning to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and saying to him, guide me. As in fact, the post of the Medrash said, the Medrash says, Hashem, it says, Hashem tzilcha. Hashem is your shadow. Just as <coughs> when, sh- uh, 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 shadows shows, when, 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 when you show your, let's say your, your finger, to your shadow so it shows one finger back and if he shows his whole hand it shows back a whole hand so to Hashem Yisbarach shows back to a person the same amount that we show Hashem the Ponovitch Mashkir of Levenstein explains that we see from this statement we see from the way he explains the, the, the rush, the way it's brought in the in, in, in the in the letters of Rashwala Salanta, that there are two types of of Ashkapaths, of divine guidance. The first is the guidance that Rabunish provides by watching over every aspect of the world and providing for every creature according to their needs. That meaning that he never uh, abandons his world, and always watches over every part of it. As Rav says, we have to believe not only in, in Hashem, but that Hashem has an asec Hashem is involved with every single human being in, in, in the universe. And the second aspect is that Hashem acts as a guard and a protector for those who trust in Him, And saves them from all kinds of negativity, from all kinds of bad forces in the world. Even though everything that occurs comes from Hashem alone. Hashem also decreed that this world should run according to the laws of so-called nature. Without special protection from Hashem. One could chastisheum be harmed through the natural chain of events. Hashem thus assures those that go out of the way and, 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 and express extra belief and trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he will protect them from this as well. And Rav Chatzka adds that this type of, of the second level of Divine Hashkocha was described by the by the Ramban in An on, uh, on Pashas Vayera, where the posok says regarding Hashem's statement about Avram of Inu, says Ki dat because I have known Avram, Sheyitzaves that he's going to command his sons and his household after him, Shomru d'erach Hashem and they would keep the way of Hashem, to do righteousness and justice. And the Rabban explains, this knowledge refers to the knowledge that Hashem guides the world with His Ashkoch, or His providence, to protect the public. And many people stay there and undergo natural occurrences until their designated time comes. But in Hashem's kindness, Hashem gives them a heart to know Him and to understand that Hashem's Hashkacha can be attached to them at all times. And there are many psukim says that speak of this, such as the psuk in in, uh, in Tehillim, where it says, Eine Hashem al that the eyes of Hashem are upon those who who fear Him, and and. That's what we've been talking about. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu never removes his eyes from a righteous person. He guards over them in this world to ensure that they merit Bez HaShem to come to U'l-Maba, pure from sin and from any kind of, of, of blemish. The, the Rishayim, however, and those who don't trust in HaShem's Hashgacha don't merit this kind of protection, they simply are, are left prey to undergo whatever the natural occurrences happen, and until their designated time to leave this world uh, uh, arrives, and then, then they have to unfortunately undergo the the, the judgment of Hashem uh, that that is, you know, meted out for those that that don't do as as uh Rabbi Zundel explained. In, in that letter, the amount of ashkocha that one receives depends on how much one trusts in HaKadosh Baruch. The more one has bitachon in Hashem, the more Hashem provides protection for him. According to that second level I was saying, that the amount of, of protection Hashem gives you depends completely and totally on how much we actually trust. It's a mirror. If you trust in Hashem, then we deserve all kinds of level of, of of protection. So, therefore, the answer to our question is: One's betochen in Hashem is actually what protects him from all the harm and what allows him to remain, beis Hashem, optimistic that he will come out unscathed. So whatever challenge Hashem has or whatever we're facing now if we believe that it all comes from Hashem and that everything Hashem does is 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 meant for us and is meant and is meant for the best then truly everything will come out according to the way it needs to come out we'll be back after this message <laughs> There are 39 milahot, which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnirb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM FM We're back on your radio here in Johannesburg on... Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Shanini, the day after the Chag of Sukkot. And just to so have a little bit of Aloha, we were talking in the last show, we started talking about the Council of the Second Day of, of, uh, of Yontif, and we discussed how in the time of the Second Base of Mikdash, they used to have a, a system of signaling with fires from mountaintop to mountaintop, and to get the signal all the way to to Babel, however, uh, there was a time in history where there were certain oppositionists who who wanted Yaev to come on a certain day of the week to suit their own personal uh, agenda and uh, and and therefore the the signaling from mountain top to mountain top was abandoned because uh, you could no longer rely on it because you didn 't know if it was the good guy sending the signals. Or, or or the oppositional forces uh, and therefore they had to they had to then resort to a a system of uh, uh, sending out a message to all the people in in the exile around uh, uh, regarding when kilishtilvana was by 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 messengers as the as the Mishnah in Ashishana's hofbeis says that wherever the messengers managed to reach Let's say before Sukkot, so they would now know when Yontif was they would make one day of Yontiv. and wherever the messengers couldn't get to before before Sukkot, so then they would make all the chagim uh, to two days. Now you need to understand that in terms of the situation in the month of Adar, so even when Moshe was announced and the Shluchim. Would would set out on their on their way. So there were only ten days, actually, where they'd be able to go. Because you'd have Rosh Hash- two days of Rosh Hashanah, you'd have Yom Kippur, and you'd probably have in those two weeks you'd probably have two Shabbos, Unless it happened to coincide uh, either Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or Shabbos, you might end up losing as much as five days of uh, of travel between. Between uh, Rosh Hashanah and and Sukkot, uh, and however, let's say uh, as far as Pesach is concerned, so all you had was let's say two Shabbosas in in uh, in between, and therefore they could travel, let's say twelve twelve days, and uh, and therefore it comes out that there were there were places that the messengers could have gotten to before Pesach, but wouldn't have managed to get there before. Before Sukkot, and therefore the Chachamim said that any places where the messengers cannot get to in Tishrei with a with a minimal traveling time, so uh, uh, they would always make two days of Yom Tov, even on Sukkot, even if we could have a situation where the messengers could get there by by. Uh, by circus in order not to make any distinction and create any confusion not only that they they, they also instituted that even the seventh day of Pesach and Shemini is the end of the Yontav they would still make two days, even though it's very likely that even if the messengers couldn't get there before the first days, they could have gotten there during the, during the course of of Cholomoyed. So they would know exactly when shmini or the last day of Pesach, was. Nevertheless, they would keep two days. And even Shavuos, which we know is 50 days after the 16th day of Nisan, when they brought the korban Omer, and we begin to count the Sefiris Omer, still, they still instituted that in all those places where they relied on on messengers to come there, they would make two days of of, of yanta. So the 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 kind of rule was that any place where the messengers could not get to before the first day of Sukkot, even despite the fact that they uh, would, would lose five days perhaps on the journey, so then they would make all the chagim to be. A two-day and that's what the more says. However, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, you always make a, 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 a one one day on the first day of the two of the two possible days. In other words, the the according to the uh 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 work it out that if Chodesh Ella was twenty-nine days, so then the tenth day after that, eleventh day after that would be would be uh would be Yom Kippur, and that's because because. Most of the situations, uh, uh, Chodesh El and Adar, were twenty nine day day months, and uh, since uh, by Torah law we go after the majority, so then so then they really need to keep those chagim on the first on the first day, and the Chachamim also they the since they are the ones that actually initiated the decree of keeping two days. And it's very very hard to fast two days of Yom Kippur in a row. Therefore, on Yom Kippur we went and and followed the the daraisa rule of going after the after the road and just having one day. I hope that was clear. But we run out of. Out of time, just enough time to wish you all an amazing, amazing Shabbos remember it's Shabbos and make it a good one, make it a, a, a stimulating one, learn some Torah, go through the Pasha, get some insight and Be'ez HaShem, we look forward to having some time together again next week, to all our radio family and everyone pitching and listening in, we wish you a good Shabbos